Patreon. That's, you're missing out if you're not on Patreon. You're missing out on all this hot content, <laughs> hot influence. <laughs> Beatles, rarities, 78, 80. Take one. Sure. Three, two, one. Untitled Beatles podcast. What's a, Yeah, well, ra- we were talking about rarities. What's a rare spectacle that you've seen in your life? I'm trying to think of one. I'm the guy at the barbecue who likes bloody meat. <laughs> oh, rare. I understand. Good. No, that ain't what I'm talking about. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Lady with power, it's We were just talking about Gary Puckett. This, <laughs> this is the only podcast in American history that's mentioned Gary Puckett every six to eight episodes. <laughs> with disapproval, but it still yeah. rears its gross head. We're just trying to raise awareness. About the, the dangers of Gary Puckett <laughs> and the union gap. Let's and that's why unions are bad. And that's why we gotta start breaking up unions, guys. All right, can we all get let's all meet January sixth. No. Things that are bad, the unions and the news. All the backup <laughs> bands really let you know. <laughs> yeah, and what's going on with the pips, huh? What what are they contributing to society? The pips. Ladies and gentlemen, the Richard Pryor Show is proud to present And the Pips. Okay. Welcome to the Untitled Beatles Podcast. You know, I'm Tony Mendoza. Uh, that's right. And this week, I am TJ Shanoff, and I uh, got a fun show for you today. Well, oh. One that we picked the topic a couple days ago. There were yeah. a litany of serious topics Tony pitched, like core albums and such. And I was like, <laughs> hey, man, I got I, I only about two hours to prep for this week's show. Let's do a fun, goofy one for which nobody can hold us accountable. And this turned out to be a 10-hour research process because it's such a delightful project. Yeah, it did. Well, yes, we're talking about the album Rarities, or should I say Albums Rarities, because there's two versions of this thing, two virgins. That's right. On all virgins, it's a picture of John's ding dong ding, and Yoko's uh, by Cracky. Yeah. (laughs) Ding dong, hoo-ha. Punani is another word I've heard thrown around. (laughs) Let's get rid of that one. Uh, uh, (laughs) Ho-ho. Twinkie, Twinkie. Dolly Madison's (laughs) singer, (laughs) Star Crunch. (laughs) That's what it was. We saw Yoko's Star Crunch. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that old Saturday morning cartoon? Watch out for the zinger zapper. So sometimes we work blue, but it's a light blue, okay? Lay off, lay off. It's a turquoise. We work turquoise. (laughs) And oddly enough, Rarities was very briefly and immediately recalled, pressed on capital green turquoise uh, label vinyl. So we've tied it together. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so this, this record, Rarities, right? Okay. Let's, let's set the stage for it. This is the late 70s, okay? There's kind of a hunger out there. Beatlemania itself is uh, on the stage in the late 70s. The Today Show has been trying for 14 years to get the Beatles on this program, now reunited, and today we're still trying, folks. But for the time being, we're going to settle for a reasonable facsimile. That's Beatlemania. John's still with us, so there's talk of this Beatle reunion. There's, it's been about 10 years since they've broken up. Uh, this is talking about 78 or so. But uh, yeah, there's this hunger for what else is there? We know there's stuff in those vaults. We want to hear it. 
am so excited for the album. Breaking it. Oh my god. Taylor just posted another message from the vault. Everybody has been asking for the other songs from the vault. So in 1978, as part of this box set called The Beatles Collection, an album called Rarities was included. And this is uh, mostly in Great Britain, but eventually released in the States, too. Now, this box set is... Don't you find this box set to be confounding? Well, it's basically... Uh, the problem with the British Rarities and the inclusion in this weird box set is that, unlike Past Masters, you're still leaving out some of the biggest songs they ever wrote. Yeah. So this UK box set, without some of the singles in itself was problematic because there's no, what, I, I want to hold your hand? No, I want to hold your hand. No, she loves you. I feel fine. Day tripper. We can work it out. Strawberry Fields. There's no Magical Mystery Tour on this. That's right, because the Magical Mystery Tour album hadn't been accepted as worldwide canon right. by then. Right. Yeah, so there's no Strawberry Fields. There's no Lady Madonna. There's no Revolution. Hey Jude. Like No inner groove. No Sergeant Pepper inner groove. <laughs> Actually, wouldn't have the U.S. didn't get the inner. Oh, groove, you're right. You're right? totally right. Okay. All right. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't. I never bought this box set. It came out in, uh, in December or November of 1978, and uh, yeah, it was basically all the British albums, and then this extra disc called Rarities, which was 17 tracks and mostly B sides and kind of odds and ends and the things that weren't on the British LPs other than hit singles. A must for the collector. And TJ, I see you're holding a copy of it right there. I am. My copy, and I, I looked for this on Discogs because uh, I couldn't figure out what copy I have. Mine says sampler album, not for sale. It looks it looks like a late 70s or early 80s Parlophone pressing. I, I ripped the vinyl of this for you. <laughs> Thank and it you. it looks super clean, but it's a really thin. It's like Parlophone had some terrible pressings in the late 70s and early 80s, and it's thin and it pops where there is no mark on the vinyl. You heard some skips. I think C. Leaptic kept skipping, even yeah. forcing <laughs> forcing my hand on the uh, <laughs> to kind of guide the tone arm. Yeah, it's Always good for your record collection, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I tried, and it failed, and then I gave up, but... Yeah, I, I do have a copy. I also have a copy of the Beatles UK rarities on cassette, a pressing from Holland. I don't know why I have it. I wish I could, I wish I could tell you. Well, so you could listen to it in the car. Which only had an 8-track player, so I had to buy mm. one of those adapters that never really worked, and it was like 10 pounds, yeah. made of metal. You stuck a, ta a cassette in the middle and slotted it in your 8-track player. And yeah. it played too fast and too Dolby and Ard. <laughs> I had a, the first car I had was a, an 81 Buick Skylark and it just had the AM FM radio in it. So I had a boom box in the back seat that would require me to like reach behind to like fast forward or rewind and stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Don't even, just look, just look in the back and see what happens. <laughs> beep, 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 yeah. Well, so that British rarities record, uh, first of all, it has an incredibly unimaginative album cover. I mean, it's just royal blue. By the way, royal blue was uh, a color created for a dress for Queen Charlotte, the wife of King George III. That's color corner for you. <laughs> it's right next to Font Lover's Corner. It's on the same street. It's just Caddy Corner from Font Lover's Corner. <laughs> it's color corner. 
the, the other thing, and I don't want to tell off-camera tales on camera, but Tony also is a big collector of the cartoon strip Kathy. So Kathy's Corner, not to be confused with Kathy's Clown, is Kitty Corner to Caddy Corner. Ack, TJ. Ack. There's no place in the world quieter than a single person's apartment with no message light blinking. Anyway, this album cover is just, it's boring. It's just, it's blue with gold lettering, and it just says, there's no pictures on it. No photos, no artwork. It's just lettering. And it's the Beatles, rarities, and then it has the song titles just on the bottom diagonally. Like, that was the artistic choice. Let's make it diagonal. It, it, it makes you clamor for fucking rock and roll music or real music. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd, I'd rather look at bad art than nothing. I agree. I agree. Yeah, man. And then the sequencing on this record, it's 17 tracks. Like I said, mostly B-sides. It's basically all these songs would later find their way onto Past Masters Volumes 1 and 2, released in 1988. So it's like 10 years before all that. But the sequencing on it I find very peculiar. It starts off with the Cross the Universe... And then goes into Yes It Is. If you were tonight. Followed by This Boy, which is basically Yes It Is is a rewrite of, in a way. Yeah. That boy. And then the inner light, then I'll get you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, it's a weird listen. I listened to it. I listened to that dubbed. Oh, by the way, you have a skip on uh, Come Give Me Dine a Hand. You have a skip on that one? Yeah, it's a collector's item. <laughs> it's worth four ninety nine, not three ninety nine now. But it just jumps all over the place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll get you and to thank you, girl. To come give me Dinah Hand. Then you look at my. Then you know my name, look up the number. No, I like the Italian version. Hey, you look up my name! <laughs> you look. Signore! Signore! After you know my name, look up the number, it goes into Sleepdeek. See, Leap Dick, by the way, yeah, it does skip. It skips not only at the end, TJ, but it skips in the second verse. It almost sounds like that uh, cut measure that Bon Jovi does before the key change in uh, Living on a Prayer. That's right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Best choice they ever made. It's uh, weird that they're classic rock now. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I mean, t- there's no stopping time, man. You can't stop it. No matter what pills you take, no matter what diet you're on, there's no stopping time. Cue the Pink Floyd. <laughs> That song, the older I get, the more that song makes me sad. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get we're, any better, man. <laughs> we're, we're, we're dicking away right now. Yeah, we are dicking away. <laughs> dicking away. 
Yeah, this thing is just all over the place. Yeah, after Sleepdeek, it goes into rain. Then she's a woman. Matchbox, I call your name. Bad boy, slow down. I'm down. And long tall Sally. Then those two next to each other, it's crazy. Like, after you hear I'm down. You tell lies, thinking I can't see. And then you hear long tall Sally. I'm gonna tell it, You're like, wait. Is this the same song again? It's so strange. <laughs> and I'm Down is Paul's attempt to write a Little Richard song. Exactly. Exactly. I'm Down is the Beatles' original Long Tall Sally. Exactly. Yeah, so it's just all over the place. And uh, were they to put this record out in the U.S., which they nearly did, they, a few copies got pressed up, right? The ones you were talking about. On on the green capital budget label that like Mind Games and Blast From Your Past and some of the solo albums were on. I think Rock and Roll Music eventually got that green capital label as well as a budget line when they split it into two and changed the artwork a bit. Right. Um, a lot, actually. Uh, but yeah, and there was also as part of the box set I've seen like a purple 78 capital uh, rarities label with the UK running order as well. That was, I think, part of the box. And they were going to sell the one with the green capital label separately, never printed covers for it and recalled it right away. Yeah. And the reason for that was because I think there were only four songs that hadn't been released in the US on albums. So it's like, these aren't rarities, <laughs> you know? Right. So... Q, uh, Randall Davis. He was the director of merchandising and advertising at Capitol. He was age 27 at the time and he was a Beatle fan. And he was basically like, whoa, no, no, no. He was kind of aghast at, at them putting this version of rarities out. And he wrote these memos up to the vice president and they basically said like, all right, kid, you do it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad they did. I mean, I, yeah. So he got together with uh, a couple of Beatle collectors, Ron Fermanick. He was a Beatle collector and another guy named Wally uh, Pedrazic. I, I hope I'm saying your y'all's names right. I'm Walter Pedrazic. Yeah. So, so he sought out these guys who knew had all this stuff. I guess Ron Fermanick's a, a house in New Jersey was just filled to the brim with like all the crazy stuff. Dead people. <laughs> this fucking New Jersey house <laughs> smells like death in this. Someone tell Ron to bury the bodies. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, a, a clown at his local <laughs> church. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. <laughs> I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown? I amuse you? No, no, we don't. That's a joke, Ron, out, if you're out there. That's a joke. Uh, <laughs> but he had all the stuff. He had all the stuff. And uh, he compiled, uh, I should say, Wally compiled an original list that included a lot of other songs that did not make it onto this U.S. version of Rarities, which was eventually released later than the one we're getting to here. So things like another... Um, a British version of Please Please Me. Uh, there's the All My Loving that has the, the hi-hat intro that, that was on the list. There's some version. Five hi-hats, yeah. Five hi-hat taps. Bum, 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 bum. Close your eyes. Right, which came from a German LP called Beatles Greatest. You know, one of these things. Yes. I guess there's... I have that. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Hold on a minute. Wait. <laughs> yeah, there he goes. Collector's Corner. 
by the way, is taking over uh, Kathy's corner. The, there's not enough interest in the Kathy comic strip, much to my chagrin. So uh, in moves Collector's Corner, and uh, that's where TJ lives. Oh, here he comes. It's Collector's Corner, and here's our host, TJ Shenoff. TJ Shenoff must collect all the records. Had to pull this out. This be- he uses some of the Beatles for sale slash early Beatles artwork. Yeah, yeah, from that session. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a cool, uh, it's a cool set. Got some cool songs, and yeah, this the hi hat intro is on this. That's actually how I dubbed it uh, back in the early days of uh, Apple Music and iTunes. I recorded it from vinyl to mini disc, <laughs> then went mini disc to CD, and then went CD to iTunes. Holy shit, man. Uh-huh. That's crazy. That's wild. I do like, actually, I like the look of that packaging. Uh, yours, TJ, here at Collector's Corner. No, yeah, thank you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, the packaging on that record, I, meaning the artwork. I like the artwork is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's at least got kind of like a cool like 60s charm to it as yeah. opposed to this kind of almost, you know, high school yearbook Beatles rarities yeah. cover for the British one anyway. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't think they were thinking is the thing. They were just seeing dollar signs. There's another version of Money that uh, didn't make it on here. A version from the British All My Loving EP. So I'm not familiar with that one. What's the difference? I wonder. Yeah, I don't know either. The best things in life are free. But you can keep them for the best and please not give me more. There's a great article that uh, Beatle lover Nicholas Schaffner wrote for Trouser Press about the Rarities record. Um, and he's the one that I got this list from from that article. You sent me that article. That article was amazing. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff in the print magazines that have gone away that are now surfacing online. I'd never read that before. It's so I mean, cool. that, that article is we'll, we'll link to it because it's it's amazing to read all that. You get so much information about the construction and knowing what we know now about how some of the songs they talk about, like, yeah, they recommended What's the New Mary Jane, yeah. which was a Magic Alex composition <laughs> is how it's attributed <laughs> In, in that article from 1980. Exactly. Um, but to know what would come, what, 15 years later with Anthology and then yeah. all the deluxe archival stuff, it's fun to go and read stuff from 10 years after the breakup when nobody knew what was what was yet to come. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. A couple other things that might have made it on there but didn't were, uh, there's, I guess, a longer version of Her Majesty that was on some European pressings. So that's interesting. And then there's that version of I Feel Fine that has like a mysterious whispering. It was on the British Red album. There's one thing that wasn't mentioned in this that I have on an EP, and that's uh, She's a Woman with a Count In. Oh. It's on some UK EP where Paul counts it in. One, two, three, four. That would be great because, you know, because it starts with the guitar on the offbeat. So, you know, if you hear that as the one, you're kind of taken away when the drums kick in and give you the real one, you know? Yeah. It's neat. It changes it, changes it a little bit oh, how that's... you get into the song. 
That's totally cool, man. Well, thank you, Randall Davis, for for doing all this and getting this mostly right for its time. Well, I'll say that. It's a weird little record now, and most of this stuff has been out there. Past Masters took care of a lot of these things. But uh, one of the big selling points was in the packaging. With the gatefold cover, you open it up, and you get, I guess, an uncropped picture of the butcher cover. Yeah, and this is, there was a big hype sticker <laughs> as we both hold <laughs> up our records. <laughs> Look at my butcher picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, wait a sec. Does your cover have the embossed uh, picture frames, or is it flat? Mine's flat. I think I have a later pressing. There's three pressings, one which has incorrect information about Helter right. Skelter on the back, the second one, which I have, which has the embossed cover, and Ooh. then the third, which is not embossed. Is that what it is? There's the three. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they forgot to credit George Martin on that first uh, yes. pressing. Yeah. Yeah. So mine's that, and it's the rainbow label on there. Me too. I think that's the only American vinyl made of it. And what's cool is Capital pressed that with the rainbow label three years before the whole label switched back to rainbow. So this was released when they were doing the purple Capital from 78, mm. but they had special exceptions like the Beatles and the Knack got to do the, <laughs> got to do the retro Capital labels <laughs> pre-83. I love the uh, documentary that uh, Peter Jackson's working on about the knack. I can't wait to see that. I think it's gonna be like 16 hours of uh, my Sharona. It's an amazing. The DVD for collectors is also going to be 16 hours. <laughs> no extras for you. Yeah, but it's got a postcard of the knack's third album that didn't sell. <laughs> they don't look like they're having much fun. But yeah, you do get the butcher cover. Uh, originally, Randall Davis wanted this as the front cover, but that would be too much. So instead, yeah, Randall Davis wanted every. What else do you want, Randall Davis? Come <laughs> yeah. on now. And what's cool is there was a hype sticker advertising the butcher cover on the inside yeah. for I think uh, at least two of the pressings of this record. Yeah, it's almost like the closest the Beatles ever got to pornography. Like buy this and open up and see the inside, you know? As opposed to two versions where it was just right there for you before it, it got brown bagged. Yeah, yeah. But that was John on his own, not the Beatles. This is the closest the Beatles ever got to doing that. Yeah, but if you're going to accept Julia as also John on his own, I think two versions could be a Beatles record. Chew on that. <laughs> The Nicholas Schaffner article, they talk about how an original Butcher cover in 1980 sold for $300. Now that's like many, many thousand dollars, depending on what state and how it's been steamed off and all that. Yeah, I'd buy one for 300 bucks now. Fuck yes, it. I you can find one for that. And uh, the other thing that I think is interesting about this, you know, for label nerds like me, this was the first time you put on a record, a Beatles record, and hear Helter Skelter and Don't Pass Me By with the with the Rainbow Capital label. Oh. It had been on the Orange Capital, but it was your first time seeing later Beatle tracks on the early 60s Capital Rainbow, yeah. which is neat. Yeah, you're right. That is crazy. That's yeah. funny, man. I have a, a, a fond memory of holding this record up. I did a big show and tell about the Beatles in eighth grade, and I bored everybody in my class. And I, I did not do the Beatles any service. Everyone was like, yeah, no, we want to listen to house music. Fuck you with your, <laughs> your dinosaur rock. Play Pump Up the Jam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I, uh, I mentioned the Butcher cover in, 
in my presentation and I was able to hold it up as a visual aid. And I, re- I do remember it got a few groans, meaning like icks. You know, people being like, oh. I love it. In fact, there's a part of me that's like, oh, I think I want a, a poster of this in my, in my uh, lair here where I record. I had a poster in my high school room that had the butcher cover. It said incredible in big red letters with an exclamation mark. And then it had the butcher cover right below it. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I think I even remember seeing that at Wax Tracks Records and stuff, you know, because they used to have the posters and stuff. Dude, that Wax Tracks on Lincoln Avenue is one of the most underrated and forgotten about because I know that they were, their label was predominantly punk. It's like industrial. Yeah. Yeah. So th- that wasn't my thing, but the it wasn't store, mine either. That's yeah. where I got the majority of my Beatles imports and Beatles stuff from. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I lived in the city. My allergy doctor, this is the most Jewish <laughs> yeah. conversation I've ever had. <laughs> my allergy on. doctor when I was 11 was right next door on Lincoln to Wax Tracks. And anytime I get allergy shots, we would go to Wax Tracks, my mom, and I'd leave with, like, ooh, let it be with a picture sleep. <laughs> Yeah, that's so fun. Yeah, I definitely miss that. I definitely miss like going into a record store. You can still experience it because they sell that kind of stuff at Reckless and wherever, you know, probably your indie shops where you live. But uh, I do miss that magic of going in the record store and discovering something, at least by the Beatles, that's unheard and brand new and cut on a, on a, onto a vinyl record. Well, and that's why it's great the record stores are still around because there's kids who are into music now like we were when we were kids. Maybe the kids of some of our listeners, maybe some of our listeners uh, who still find discovery going into record stores. It gets harder and harder as you get older. I mean, my ears are open to new music, but it's not the same experience going to a record store as it was when I was a teenager. Yeah, I've, I've heard something around the age of 25, your your brain changes and you, you won't ever get that excitement back that you did when you were 14 or whatever it is. And around 45, you think storming the Capitol is a good idea, and your friends are too afraid of you to talk you out of it. But yeah. they'll turn you in behind your back because you deserve it. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. Well, should we go track by track on this? Yeah, this is American Rarities that came out. This is the last Beatles compilation to come out in John Lennon's lifetime. Yeah. March 24th in 1980. Thanks so much to Mark Walgren's Beatles on Record book for this information. Only hit number 21 on Billboard, did hit 20 on Cashbox and 26 on Record World, which would fold a couple years later. Um, but yeah, so this was, you know, it made the top 20-ish, but this wasn't like what we'd see with one, right. you know, uh, 20 years later. So let's go track by track on this. And one of the things to know is Nicholas Schaffner in that article, his quote was, Capital couldn't be bothered to track down original recordings. And this first song is a recording they couldn't track down because it was lost. Love, love me do You know I love you I'll always be true So please Love me do This was sourced from a 45. Yeah, by Ron Fermanick. He's the one that actually supplied it. Yeah. This version's interesting because this is the original single that has Ringo on the drums. Almost every other version that had floated around for years was Ringo and Tambourine. Yes. With with Andy White um, on the drums. 
at George Martin's behest, which Ringo joked Ringo never forgave him for it. I'd already booked Andy White. We're going to have Andy White, thank you very much. No, I was devastated. I came down ready to roll and... Uh... Oh, Ringo to this day bears those scars. He says, you know, you didn't let me play, did you? Yeah, yeah, and the quick tell on this is that if you don't hear a tambourine, that's the version that Ringo plays on. Uh, the other one being that instead of hitting the crash symbol on that one bit, he hits the ride. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of nice, a little understated. It's understated, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that song is way too flashy. <laughs> Ranking the songs a couple weeks ago, me realizing <laughs> I really kicked Love Me Do to the curb. We did too. Well, let's talk about that song a little bit because it's... Uh, it's their first song that they recorded like properly, uh, released properly, and uh, with their name, not with Tony Sheridan and all that stuff. And yeah, man, it's very much of its time. And that doesn't mean anything political. That means 1962. That means like when rock and roll kind of died for a couple years. The rock and roll scene died after two years of solid rock. And you got this like, uh, take good care of my baby. Please don't ever make her blue. And, and so, so this to me ha still has that kind of uh, safeness to it, you know? It lacks the sex that Please Please Me would then bring us, right? Which didn't take that much longer for that song to come about. And right. that another, another harmonica-driven song and that era of being influenced by songs like Hey Baby... Mm. Um, there was a lot of harmonica in these early years. Yeah, I mean, you know, Love Me Do is a good song for a, for a debut, but it is far afield from what they would then go on to write pretty quickly thereafter. When you look at all the early songs, you need Love Me Do because of its historical importance. But is anyone taking Love Me Do over Please Please Me or even From Me to You or She Loves You or any pre-64 songs? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> Yeah, so that starts it off, which is great because this is actually sequenced in a more or less chronological order, which to me makes an easier listen. The British Rarities version is fun to listen to because it's so kind of like, whoa, where are we going? You're getting yanked around. <laughs> yeah, especially breaking up the two German songs with the B-side to let it be. It's yes. like German song, absurdist German comedy, German song. <laughs> like they're really ending on a... yeah. Yeah, the thought process is very interesting on that. So so then it goes into a rarity, I guess, called Misery, which, of course, was on Please Please Me. Um, but this was not on any Capitol record at the time. Yeah, it this and there's a place where, for some reason, not included on the 35-minute early Beatles album <laughs> from 65. Yeah. They were on the VJ, the introducing the Beatles and the various offshoots of that, but... This first time Misery has it been in stereo, it was released on a Starline single uh, as a B-side of Rollover Beethoven that hadn't been pressed by Capitol since the early 70s. I think the most recent pressing is that weird red and orange Target Capitol label. So that never made its way through the 70s and 80s 45 catalog. But yeah, it's great to hear this song in stereo. If you have the British albums, this song is part of their first album. If you're an American fan, you could barely find this song up until 1980. See? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that and then yeah, there's a place as well. Again, these songs are no longer rarities because you just get "Please Please Me Now" and you've got both of these songs. This is in the age of pre-CDs, so, you know, the, the the catalog was still kind of in disarray when this record came out. Yeah, and what's interesting is six years after Rarities, in 1986, we mentioned on the show how Twist and Shot was reissued for the first time on 45s and 65, right. so all of a sudden, There's a Place as a B-side was in record stores again in the mid-80s. <laughs> that is so... Now, that's like weird, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be the bonus on the Get Back DVD is an early cut of There's a Place. I'd take anything. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, we're just taking anything at this point. Yeah. Well, then we get, yes, the uh, Siliptik, German She Loves You, which, yeah, that was not on something new. They kept uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand, Come Give Me Deine Hand on the American record Something New. We talked about that a, f- a few uh, weeks ago. But Siliptik did not make the cut back in the the 60s. So here it is. Here it I th- is. I think it only made its way to the state's swan, which had She Loves You, quickly threw it out as a single, didn't sell, and that was it. So what was it like, I wonder, hearing this in 1980 after not having heard it? Maybe you heard that swan single, but you knew Come Give Me Dinah Hand existed. But hearing this stateside in 1980 must have been like a big what the fuck moment. <laughs> For sure. It was new. Yeah, yeah, and it, but it's clearly an oddity and a curiosity. Uh, I always thought the cool thing about it was they had to recut the whole thing, you know, with the uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand, they just redid the vocal part, but for Siliptique, they couldn't remove the vocals off the master, so they had to recut the whole thing. I want to say that was in Paris. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about the Camp by Me Love session. Yes. Yeah. Which I believe we've discussed on this program. We discuss everything multiple times. <laughs> Every episode's a best up. Well, speaking of something new, the German something new contained a version of And I Love Her that mysteriously had uh, six beats at the end instead of the normal four. And we don't know why. I guess this is how they played it. And George Martin chose to to cut it down to four. Makes sense to me. Four is a good music number. Uh, but this one has six at the end. Yeah. Okay. I think it's cool because it's it's different. I, I, I like that the six is unanticipated, maybe because you know with the with the riff the four times so well that hearing this, I should mention, I probably heard this one more than the original one on the Hard Day's Night or something new albums, because a big eight track for us in our car was the Beatles rarity. So <laughs> a lot of these songs, I think the reason, thinking back, the reason I hear the trumpet in Penny Lane at the end is oh, yeah. because we heard this eight track in the car so often. 
Wally Pedrazic actually compared a lot of this record to stamp collecting and noticing the, just the little things. And I think that falls under this umbrella of this is like stamp collecting, like, oh, you get six beats at the end of And I Love Her. Otherwise, same song. I think I know there's some double tracking going on with Paul's vocal that isn't, isn't on uh, versions of the song. But ultimately, it is the same song, just you get two extra th- rounds at the end. And as opposed to some of the songs on this album that were Frankenstein, this one is as originally heard. There was no editing trickery in this song. Now, the next one is, I think, the only song on here that still remains a rarity, in my opinion. And that would be this single mix mono of the song Help. That's interesting you say that because I I have the opposite take. I don't think this is a rarity because the Help 45, which not only sold millions of copies, but was in print forever, this is the version on the 45. So dressing it up like a rarity on this record, like it might be a rarity unless you own the mono album of Help, which had this version, but also had the James Bond fanfare tacked onto it. And, you know, Help was interesting because it was the Ken Thorne music, a little like the Hard Day's Night soundtrack, where, you know, every couple songs you get, you know, the weird, you know, sitar version of, of you know, P.S. I Love You or whatever that was on <laughs> Yeah, but this one was on the 45 of Help till it was in print till the early 90s. So it's weird to me they're calling this rare. I see what you mean. But in 1980, yeah, I see what you mean. But in this day and age, everything that's been canonized has gone with the other version. It's actually hard to, like, this version's not on the CDs. You can't stream this version. Like, this one, you, you're right. you got to find the original 45, and that's that's getting harder and harder to do, especially if they're charging, like, 25 bucks for it or whatever at the record store because it's got the picture sleeve or whatever, and you're just like, yeah, I can't do that, <laughs> you yeah, know? you can't do that. <laughs> if everybody's green... <laughs> <laughs> Soylent Green. What is the secret of Soylent Green? Yes to that. And to get the mono version of this digitally, you need to buy the Beatles in mono box set. Which is also a costly affair. Oh, yeah, especially now. It might be out of print. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. It's a cool take, though. It's a different vocal take. So to me, it's like uh, edgier. There's like a, a fiercer quality from John. And uh, you can really hear the vocal edit in in the part when Ringo lays out. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's way more obvious here. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. So to me, this is still a rarity. 
But I get I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's it's an album rarity, but the fact that it was a 45 that sold millions of copies, like there's copies of this on the Orange Capital and all the way up through the manufacturer by the ones I love, the small purple capital label was still using this version in 1988. So if your record store had it in stock, this wasn't so rare as a 45, but as an album track, yes. And now it's become, to your point, a lot more rare than I think it was in 1980. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about I'm Only Sleeping, because there are a lot of versions of this floating around. Man, the one that I heard on my pressing, it says it's the British version on this Rarities here. And now that's the one, to me, that's the one that we always hear now, because that got canonized, eh? Yes. uh, I would say that this version on Rarities is only rare for American listeners. Um, And... I counted five different versions of this by going to all my records and sources. I'm not going to give you all the differences, but these are the different versions I found. There's this Rarities version, which is also the Stereo UK Revolver, so that's version one. Version two is the uh, Mono Revolver. The mono yesterday and today has its own mix. Right. Right. Uh, and there's two more. There is a later capital stereo mix that people attribute to 73 that was also cleaned up for the 88 issue. That is version four that has different guitar, uh, uh, backwards guitar parts. And then the stereo rainbow capital I have from 1983 is entirely different as well. Huh. Because here in the liner notes, it talks about how the the verses were rearranged. That's not true. That's a mistake. On no version of the verses rearranged. It's all about how the backwards guitar works. Okay. That was my question. Is Are all the differences just the backwards guitar bits? Yes. current mono version that was used for the mono remasters of revolver um john's vocals have some reverb or effect on them which make that one a little different too oh okay yeah yeah but i would say that this version here uh in if we're gonna look at uh this rarities record with 2020 hindsight it is no longer rarity this no. is the version we always hear of this kick song. it off <laughs> Snap the Beatles. And then it closes uh, with I Am the Walrus. And this is one of those ones that was kind of manufactured by Capital, this rarity. Because uh, it uses the British intro, which is now the one that I'm used to hearing, which has yeah. six bars, whatever you want to call that. In fact, I can't even remember... <laughs> How the f- the four beat one goes, but <laughs> well, you subtract two beats. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> well, I think what I was trying to say or what I was was that like I haven't heard that version in so long. You know what I mean? That honestly that the rarity to me would be the one that has the four the four bar intro. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and it's interesting too that there's extra beats before the yellow matter custard verse that are only on the 45. Yeah, that is strange. But yeah, we're talking about four beats, and we're talking about six beats, and we're talking about two beats. I, th- I think this is the stamp collecting. This is another stamp collector. Well, and what they did was they edited this one in, too. It's a little more sloppily edited, the extra beats in the uh, before the Elementor Custer burst than it is. The mono single does not sound edited in. Here it feels frankenstein a bit. Ah. Ah. That's, yeah, that's tasty. Yeah. Well, then you flip the record, and you, it starts off with uh, Penny Lane. A normal stereo version, but this is your favorite version, right? Yeah. Uh, it, despite the fact that it's Frankenstein, first of all, this is 1980. It's the first time ever Penny Lane had been heard in true stereo in America. This song's from 67. It took till 1980 for Capitol to press it in true stereo. Let me make this uh, blanket statement I've made before. I've talked about when they reissued the Capitol Records in 88 and changed the catalog to C1. A little more controversial are the later records that came from the CD digital remasters. Stuff like Yesterday and Today and Something New were analog kind of cleaned up a bit. But when the Beatles vinyl was reached in the late 80s, the later stuff came from the CDs. So the ma- But what I would say is the Magical Mystery Tour vinyl with the C1 prefix is the best sounding Magical Mystery Tour vinyl up until the 2012 remasters because it features the true stereo, which no other Capitol pressing had until the 1987 vinyl reissues that this came out based on the digital uh, remaster. So to that end... Hearing Penny Lane in stereo here was a revelation in 1980. Um, what's beautiful and frustrating is they do edit in the pic- the piccolo trumpet at the end of the right. coda, which you know I love. But it's not real because they Frankensteined it. They edited it. It's not the original mono promo version of that that we then got on the Pepper Box set, sounding like it came from Grandpa's basement. <laughs> yeah. Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs. Where the hell is Ron Fermanic then? You know what I mean? (laughs) He could have given him a spotless copy of of that promo single. I'm sure he had it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that is still so bizarre to me. Yeah, it is. It is funny. It's like, well, why not just use this promo version, you know? But I guess you get the stereo up until that point. So to your point, it's actually a rather successful Frankenstein, I guess, huh? It is. Uh, yeah. It's uh, Edgar Winter would be proud. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Penny Lane? We talk about Penny Lane a lot on the show, but what do you think about Penny Lane with that extra trumpet coda? Does it make, uh, I mean, I kind of grew up with it. Did you come to it a little later and do you like it? Does it feel perfunctory? Like, what do you think of it?
you know, I like it. I like it. But I do think it's superfluous. I do. I don't need it. I don't need it. Because I actually really like the trill and whatever that high feedbacky sound is on its own. I kind of I kind of like that. Yeah. The feedbacky kind of thing that almost sounds like it's in key. Yeah. Um, rings the song out a little different over Ringo's trilling on the cymbal. This one gives a more formal majestic ending. And there's another, quickly, there's another Frankenstein version of this on Anthology 2. That takes different uh, different sound effects and a different trumpet solo in the yes. middle, and then also ends with this. Yes. So yeah. I mean, this set the precedent for the whole Frankensteining of things, too. Yeah. That's why I think they did that with Teddy Boy as well on number three, Anthology 3. It, yes, I think so. Well, then we get into the the brief uh, White Album portion of Rarities. The mono White Album was not released in the United States, so that's why these two songs appear on there. Uh, Helter Skelter. Penny Lane into Helter Skelter. That's a funny one, huh? Yeah, but because it's the Beatles, it still makes sense. It's like the British uh, rarities make sense in some weird way, too. The songs are so good, it doesn't matter what order they're in. <laughs> yeah, and they're both Paul numbers. I mean, it shows these two yeah. sides of Paul, the melodic and then the, the rocker. When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. The mono Helter Skelter is weird. Um, to me, the vocals are way higher. Uh, the squeak toy is higher in the mix. And of course, with the mono Helter Skelter, you don't get the fade back. You don't get the blisters on my fingers, which on the original pressing, I believe, in the liner notes, right, TJ? Who did they credit to that? They credited it initially to John, and yeah. then when they corrected it, it was to Stuart Sutcliffe. <laughs> the fifth Beatle. The fifth Beatle. Yeah. Who is the fifth Beatle? It always changes, man. It always changes. There's so many fifth Beatles. So many people claim to be the fifth Beatle. We're have to get to the bottom of that one day, Tony. <laughs> We will have to get to the bottom of that. Tease, tease, tease for March. Tease, tease, tease. And when we get to the bottom, we go back to the top <laughs> of the slide. Yeah. This song's about the, the fifth Beatle, Charles Manson. Yeah, see, it all works together, man. Um, yeah, this. I wonder if it was weird hearing this without the, without the blisters on my fingers. Yeah, to me, I missed it. I remember I, I bought this record early, actually, in my Beatle uh, buying. I bought this because I had it for eighth grade for my talent show. It would have been sometime in 1989. Uh, and I got into them in fall of 88. So I bought this record before I had everything. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I knew Helter Skelter. And when they didn't come back, I was really disappointed. <laughs> That's my favorite part. One of my favorite parts is when they come back and he screams that line. It's iconic. It's beautiful. Well, and it's mixed in such a way where there's that huge burst of sound right before the fade out, too. So it leaves that just indelible kind of sound.
Now, don't pass me by. I mm. prefer in mono. Yeah, me too. Me too. Because it's sped up. <laughs> Where's mono? She's leaving home. I know they sold a lot of those in mono in 67. Yeah, according to the notes here, Ringo's voice seems to be at a higher pitch than on the stereo version. in the notes too they say there wasn't room for them as part of the package but there's other songs on the mono white album with differences there isn't room this thing's like 51 minutes in total <laughs> got a room yeah yeah would it kill them to put mono blackbird on here <laughs> i'll tell you what yeah i would have taken mono blackbird over don't pass me by but you know all that is is that yeah this is actually a very different it's got different fiddle solo yeah, it's uh, it's a little more different. Blackbird, it's just that the the bird sound effects are different, if I recall. Yeah, and I Will is different with when the bass vocals mm. come in. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different songs on Mono White Album, Yeah, uh, but they're all two and a half minutes long. You can't give us a little bit of that? <laughs> I agree. Uh, then we get the mono version of the inner light, which again is uh it's it's no longer really a rarity. Uh, you can get it on Mono Masters now, um, but yeah, it, this one was not on Hey Jude. This is like one of the records that they didn't put on Hey Jude, the the album Hey Jude, that American record that was kind of a hodgepodge. Not to be confused with Apple artist Chris Hodge, who's saying we're on our way. <laughs> I might Maybe. have made up an Apple artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, uh, you want me to look it up? Who's Chris Hodge? Stop! I think you're right, man. He's sang about UFOs or something. Yeah. He signed with yeah. Apple Records and released a UFO-themed single, We're On Our Way. All right! It reached number 26 in the Netherlands, TJ. <laughs> well, Tony, next episode, I'll share everything I know about the Ivies and Mary Hopkin. <laughs> Ivies, bad finger. There you that's go. Man. That's right. Maybe tomorrow you will love again. Um, I also think since this album came out, a true stereo version of Inner Light has been issued because I'm pretty sure it's on past masters and stereo. Yes, this that's one makes how I it heard it. Like yeah, this one makes it seem like there isn't a stereo version. Yeah. But I think even when the CDs came out, when did Past Masters come out? March of 88? Yeah, 88. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is, dude, I, uh, the ones in 87, I had to uh, sign up for at See Here Records on North Avenue, but I got Past Masters at the Sound Warehouse on Rush Street individually. <laughs> the the black one was the uh, volume yeah. one and the white one was volume two. Yes. Real Ebony and Ivory theme to Past Masters. <laughs> I bought that on vinyl. I bought that on vinyl back then. So I got them both because it was a it was a double LP. 
Dude, I didn't get the vinyl until many years later. Past Masters on vinyl is a double LP is gorgeous. Yeah, it's all the cool. pictures inside and all the all the the great Mark Lewis and notes yep. on the gatefold. Yeah, Past Masters on vinyl, the original pressing from '88 is awesome. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and it includes a stereo version of Inner Light, at least the stereo version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it also includes Across the Universe, the worldwide life, uh, whatever happened to version. Uh, <laughs> the WWE. Yeah, the WWE version. <laughs> yeah, it was a charity record. As you all know, everyone from Hulkamania got together. Iron Sheik, George the Animal Steel, Ricky the Steamboat Dragon. They all got together. <laughs> George Harrison sang the Iron Sheik of Araby. <laughs> Yeah, and all the proceeds went to get shirts that wouldn't rip apart when you flexed. (laughs) (laughs) My big problem, number one problem in my marriage, my wife used to buy me shirts and I flex and I rip them. (laughs) They're baby shirts. Hashtag baby shirts. My son and I, he's five and a half, we argue over clothes all the time. I'm wearing the fire truck shirt today. You're Thomas. Um... Yeah, here's something. I didn't know till doing homework for this, and obviously I'd heard the song a bunch on the Rarities album, and then it became part of Past Masters and such. I didn't realize that nobody in the States had really ever heard this. I thought that World Wildlife compilation was a U.S. thing. It was a U.K.-only release, so this thing had probably like never been heard in America till Rarities came out. I never put that together. Yeah. Yeah, because I want to say Spike Milligan had something to do with the with the whole charity record thing. Or at least he's listed on there. Yeah, it was a lot of British artists. Yeah. I've actually never heard that record. I don't have it. I don't have that one. So I've never heard mm-hmm. the other artists on it. Yeah. That might be something to... <laughs> I don't know. That'd be a, that, that'd be a fun one. Maybe we'll, I've never... I don't own that one. I've ne- I, like I said, I thought it was... I didn't think it was an American one, but I never assumed it was UK only. And I'm sure it wasn't that widely listened to then. That's why this is one that's also on the British... And UK rarities. Yeah. Um, so this is the first time people really got to hear this song without any of the full specterization. Nothing's gonna change my world. 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 Images of broken light which dance before me like a million eyes. They call me all along across the universe. Thoughts meander like a restless wind inside a letterbox. They tumble blindly as they make their way across the universe. But then again, once Past Masters came out, this is no longer a rarity. Right. So you had eight years of it on this record, and then it became kind of part of the canon, really, this version. Something interesting, this was never a single until 1996 when they released the colored vinyl jukebox singles from uh, CEMA, the Capital Distributor. Whoa, man. And it was paired with two of us. And the okay. a, uh, I don't know what the A side was, but the version of Across the Universe, it's on clear vinyl, Whoa. is the Let It Be album version. Wow, man. Now, do you yeah. have that? Because that's I do. that sounds wild. Wow. My, yeah. One of my one of my holy grails is every in ninety, I think four and ninety six, they released a ton of Beatles vinyl on the Purple Capital label in colored vinyl, 
as a random and they all said for jukeboxes only i have a lot of them there's weird ones like there's a green one where the a side's birthday and the b side's tax man so some are normal and some are fucking weird and i want all of them missing about 10 and that's on my list if i ever like i've seen random ones at amoeba like red she loves you with i'll get you in the back with the purple capital label on red vinyl i found an amoeba in 2018 and i think i cried in the store (laughs) i was so happy Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, if we were like fat cats and all that, it would be really cool to actually have an uh, uh, an actual jukebox that played 45s and have them all in there and displayed. One of those where you could see it spin. That would be cool. Tony, if we were fat cats, buddy, that's a whole other episode because <laughs> the thing I want the most, they make a Sgt. Pepper 45 jukebox made within the last couple of years for like, I don't know, ten or $12,000 yeah. or something like that. It's like no, like no money. Crazy. You have to have that. No, no. We got no money, not no, no. no money. No, no money, mo problems. <laughs> and little gnomes stay in their homes, eating, sleeping, drinking their wine. Uh, yeah, I mean, you might as well get then the Beatles pinball machine and the Beatles SUV and the Beatles helicopter and all that other well, shit. Well, I, I almost, uh, I'd never had a car. I lived in the city my whole life and I got a gig in the suburbs when I was uh, 29. So I've got my first car and I almost bought a silver Beetle. That's when the Volkswagen Beetles were kind of coming back in the early 2000s. <laughs> I, I almost bought a silver Beetle because I'm like, it's perfect. It's me. My girlfriend at the time was like, you can't do that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you she was quoting the Beatles, you know, I got something to say that might cause me pain, but she was like, you're not driving that. That's not for you. Well, similarly, TJ, I almost bought a Dodge Moondog, so, you know. <laughs> I almost got a Chevy Kaiser Keller. Zephyr Zodiac. All these early Beatles influences. But I thought I would thought driving a silver beetle would have been great and I would have only listened to like the three cool cats audition. <laughs> yeah, you were. there's rules in this beetle. <laughs> <laughs> no ringo allowed. Dilla, 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 dilla. Wait, is that, is there something wrong with my carburetor or is that Pete Best's trumpet? <laughs> I think you've got your thunder clatter and clatter. I think you but <laughs> rattle rattle thunder clatter boom boom boom. Don't worry, call the correct man. Don't worry, call the that song's not on rarities. Dave Dexter would have put it on. <laughs> Is that Carex? Yes, that's Carex. I think so. Don't worry, call the Carex man, right? The birds at the end there. <laughs> the birds what is that tweeting bird out there oh jeez, man well you know another song so the rest of these songs for the most part the rest of these songs you can all find them on uh you know uh past masters including you know my name look up the number the b-side to let it be uh only in mono but no longer a rarity but in 1980 this is how you could find it on an album good evening Up my number, you 
This is one of those songs that's always been ranked at the bottom, but I like it. I've always loved it. I think if you're in comedy and love the Beatles, this is one of your favorites from the first time you hear it. I think it's just so funny and so weird. Yeah. And to me, it is the yin to the yang that is revolution number nine. Like, yes. I like experimental weird, but I kind of like it funny, not making me feel like I've lost my mind. I agree. I agree. Yeah, lose your mind and have fun. You know, it's a fun way to lose your mind as opposed to like the the, the bad way. You know, the bummer. You know my name. I'm the number. You know my name. Do you remember hearing this in Anthology for the first time with that extra ska bit? And that, I remember that being a big moment. I wish they hadn't taken it out. I love that's my that's actually my favorite part of the song. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that and the scream, the beginning when that's McCartney screaming at the beginning, the first vocals you hear. You know anyway, I love that song, yeah. And then it closes. This was not on a USLP of Sgt. Pepper. They had to leave something off, as Nicholas Schaffner said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the the lock groove at the end, the Sgt. Pepper inner groove, is the is its official title. And that's just two seconds of uh, of them chattering. I think it's nice that you actually only get to hear it just the one time round. Yeah, that's a great point because when this when this became canon with the eighty seven CD release. They do it on a loop. And I think on the on the box set, I forget if this is on the 09 remaster too, it keeps going and then fades out. Yes. Whereas yeah. here, it's just you hear it once and it cuts out. It's a hard cut. <laughs> and yeah, Nicholas Shafter also pointed out that because it wasn't on the U.S. Sgt. Pepper, that the first time Americans got that interlock groove thing was with the Who's Sellout record that same year. At the end, that goes track records, track records, which was a track records, which is their their label at the time. Well, rarities still not released on CD. You can't stream it. Uh, you can hear most of these songs on different records, but not all of them. It's a curiosity. In fact, Nicholas Schaffner said it shouldn't have been called rarities. It should have been called oddities. And I agree. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. And there's still some stuff missing on here unless you own. So if you own the Red Album in 1980, if you have all the Beatles albums, the Red Album and the Blue Album and rarities, you have almost everything. But you know a track that I'm pretty sure is missing? is I'm Down. I think I'm Down was, you needed rock and roll to have I'm Down on a vinyl LP. Yeah, you needed that one. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's it, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. Before they, you know, got everything together with the CDs, this this catalog was such a mess. And this is kind of a wonderful little, yeah, it's a strange little record. 
I listened to it today and it was an enjoyable listen. Yeah, as they all are. <laughs> this was a big album for many Beatles fans, myself included, because it was the first album of quote unquote new Beatles or unreleased Beatles material since since I'll Let It Be came out. Because everything else, rock and roll music, George Martin did a remix of it, but everything else was the tracks as you had heard. And it wasn't until the anthology in 95, they had planned, Capital did, for an album in 85. We'll get into this one day on the show, Tony, called Sessions. That was going to be like a one-disc kind of anthology. I think they even prepped a single version of Leave My Kitten Alone. Mm. And at at one point, I I don't even think test pressings got out. I think Capital just scrapped it. So it was basically Let It Be comes out in 70, 1980 rarities, and then you had to wait until, I mean, Hollywood Bowl accepted, you had to wait until 95 for other stuff you hadn't heard before. That's the checkered record collecting past of the Beatles. The Beatles decade, 1964 to 1974. Together and on their own, the Beatles. For 10 years on Capitol and Apple Records and Tapes. Well, there it is. Rarities. We did it. Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony Mendoza. If you liked what you heard, uh, feel free to like and subscribe. We're on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get the, the podcasts. Obviously, you're listening to it. So, yeah, feel free to review us. Give us five fabs. Give us a thumbs up. However it works now. That's my friend TJ Shanoff over there. Yeah, and I want to thank uh, We Forgot Casey Baker. Our esteemed producer, on behalf of our producer, Casey Baker. This is the Untitled Beatles podcast. Except no substitutes. Uh, did we lose? I think we lost our sponsor. This, Yeah, I forget it. Did, is, is Kenny Rogers still our sponsor? No, I forget. Yeah, they, I, we haven't signed the new contract yet, but let's do it anyway. Okay, Today's yeah. show brought to you by... Kenny Rogers Roasters. You gotta get the, the healthy chicken. The this this is the good stuff. I've never had a chicken like this. It's it's less salt. Uh, it's less fl- not less flavor. It's uh, it's just good for you. Kenny Rogers Roasters in your neighborhood of Malaysia. Thank you. Teacher says we must eat healthy. Kenny Rogers Roasters less fat. Less salt, less... Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe. (laughs) Is it rolling, Bob? I'm rolling. I've been real slurpy, I noticed, on my last few episodes where it's just like, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's winter in Chicago, so I think we both have a case of the slurps. (laughs) Slurps. Remember them? I think John Lennon named them. They opened up for uh, the Beatles. <laughs> them and Sounds Incorporated. That, that's right. They later changed their name to Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. <laughs> did the Beatles, Did they ever open for the Beatles on a bill? I don't think so. I really doubt it. No. No, because it was all those Epstein bands, like the Circle. That was the, my riff on the Slurps, was the Circle. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, shall we slate? Yeah, let's slate. Okay. Uh, That'll be on on the on the outtake reel for Patreon. Hear us <laughs> yeah. fuck around at the beginning. Patreon, that's, you're missing out if you're not on Patreon. You're missing out on all this hot content, <laughs> hot influence. <laughs> <laughs> Beatles rarities, seventy eight, eighty. Take two, slate three, two, one.